to possess the nations or prepare the church for the possession of the nation's agenda was I will build my church. Now, what I'm trying to do this morning is to give us a rationale for the 2024 theme. So, I am trying to remind us of how we started and the journey we have traveled on to where we are. Then we can understand that now we can go out there to do work of ministry. As a matter of fact, we have no excuse. Given the experiences that we've had. So we started by talking about I will build my church. This one was for 2019. But it was unveiled in November 2018. This I will build my church was based on a promise that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where he hinted that his church will be a dominant force on earth, sustained by his life and love. A church that triumphs over the gates of Hades. A church with keys to the kingdom of heaven. This church is something that belongs to him because he called it into being. He dwells in it, rules over it, and he accomplishes his purpose within it and through it. So in Caesarea Philippi, as Jesus was with his disciples, he asked a profound question that was meant to know from them or for them to declare his true identity as a revelation upon which the church will be founded. So who do people say, I am? Then they gave their report as they have heard from other people. Then he turned to them and said, what about you? Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, son of Jonah. Blessed are you for this one. Flesh and blood has not revealed to you, but my father in heaven, I tell you, you are Peter. But upon this rock, I will build my church upon this rock. So I want to believe that all of us are here as the church of God because we, apart from the fact that we have repented of our sins, we have placed faith in Jesus knowing that he is Christ, the son of God, who for our sake became man, died, buried, but did not remain in the grave. On the third day, according to scripture, he rose from the dead for our justification. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That is the anchor of our faith. But this church is a new community. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 through 15 reads, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised 
by those who call themselves the circumcised. That done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise. Without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. Now watch this. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two. Thus, making peace. Now, but in the first half of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul traces the salvation of individual Gentiles and Jews. Now, he moves on to the abolition of their former racial differences, to their union in Christ and to their formation into the church, God's new community. Now, he reminds us through the church in Ephesus that prior to our conversion we were Gentiles by birth and therefore outcast and despised by the Jews who called them and called us uncircumcised. By contrast the Jews proudly spoke of themselves as God's people because of the covenant that God established with their forefathers. However, they had forgotten that in that covenant, God had the Gentiles also in mind. So, even when he called Abraham in Genesis chapter 6, he said to Abraham, that through you, all people on earth shall be blessed. Paul comes in the New Testament and in the book of Galatians, he writes that, and God foresaw that a time will come that he would accept the Gentiles by faith and therefore announce the gospel in advance to Abraham saying that through you all people on earth shall be blessed. At the fullness of time, God became man in the person of Jesus Christ and he did it. Praise God. So now in Christ Jesus, we are one. We are one. But this actually is something new. It's something new. God has created a new society, a new nation. Because up to this time, the formation of the church, the whole world was divided into two groups. Either you were a Jew or a Gentile. Either you were a Jew or a Gentile. But now, another new nation has been formed. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. Do not cause anyone to stumble. Whether Jews, Greeks, and by saying Greeks, He's making reference to the Gentile nations. 
or the church of God. Are you paying attention here? Do not cause anyone to stumble. Then he's going to mention groups of people. So he says, whether Jews, that is one group, Greeks, that is another group, or now we have the third one, the church of God. But going back to read from Ephesians 2, as we just read, the Bible says that Christ Jesus has made out of the two one. So, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, now faith in Jesus has created a new community called the church. Praise God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 15 to 16. Please, you can write it down. You can write it down. But he has a purpose for this church. He has a purpose for establishing this church. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. Let's go there and read. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. And let's look at God's purpose for the church. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. Paul is saying that I've been called, I've been commissioned to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. There's a mystery. And this mystery, he says, it was kept hidden in God who created all things. But it has now been revealed through Christ. And he says, his intent was that now, through the church, not through Israel, not through the Jew, not through Gentiles, but through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So now you see what God intends to do in the world, in our world today, has to happen through the church. Praise God. It has to happen. But when he says that his manifold wisdom should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You have to understand that he's only talking about the powers that governs or govern the nations. The powers that govern the nations. You and I would agree that today if you look at what is going on in our world, the policies, the laws, that are being formulated, they are all anti-Christ because there is a spirit behind it. So you see people in authorities, people in high places, but there is a spirit. There are rulers, there are powers, there are authorities in the heavenly places whose business is to kick against God's agenda, influencing them to formulate policies and come up with laws that are anti-Christ. But the church must arise. Praise the Lord. The church must arise. 
So the dual purpose of the church is that we have been called to belong to God and we have been released or we have been sent back into the world to represent God. His intent and purpose is that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the nations. Praise God. And we realize that for the church to be an effective factor of change in the hands of God, the church must be credible. It must be beautiful to be looked upon by the watching world. The church must be morally beautiful and doctrinally pure. So when we had explained our build my church concept, we followed it up with another theme for 2020. This time, we talked about a glorious church to possess the nations. I remember, right? Because looking at the vices in this world, for us to be able to cause a change, we have to be pure. We have to be morally pure and doctrinally sound. A church without spot or wrinkle. A radiant and a glorious church. So now, we brought in this thing and we spoke about it we prayed about it, and then we lived it. So I want to believe that all of us here, we see that there has been some changes in our lives. In that now, when the world look at us, they see how God has triumphed over sin to his own glory because we were like them. But now by the grace of God, they see that the evil that we used to do with them, we are not doing them no more. There is a change. And this change has not come by ourselves, but by the grace of God. Hallelujah. The world now see how God has triumphed over sin in us to his own glory. So when we go to them and we tell them God can change their life, now they will believe it. Why? Because they see in us the change we are trying to tell them. Praise the Lord. They see how he has sent heaven's best for earth's west. When the world look at us, they see how God has redeemed his enemies at a heavy price. How he has conquered Satan by love, and how he has prepared us as his bride, or as a bride for his son. Do you see how God, through the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross, has brought us more glory, more glory. When the world look at us, they see that in us, Christ has been exalted. Satan has been defeated. The church has now been enthroned in Christ to share in his glory. We are now a shining church. A church without spot or wrinkle. Brothers and sisters, if you are listening to me and there is still some crookedness in your life, I pray 
in the name of Jesus that you will receive your breakthrough. Because with that kind of life, we can't change the world. You have to be transformed to be able to bring the needed change in other people's life. And that is why I say that we Christians being agents of transformation, we are not ignorant people. Now listen, we come here to be informed, not to conform, but to transform. So therefore, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this renewing of the mind comes through knowledge. Therefore, grow in the knowledge of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Do we have a glorious church? But that wasn't the end of it. We also realize that seven Christ usually attracts satanic oppositions and seasons of afflictions, difficulties, and discouragement. Seven Christ. When you go out there, you would meet opposition. You will be afflicted. Sometimes you will be oppressed. You will be harassed by the world. Yes. But you cannot lose your spiritual fervency serving the Lord. So therefore, we brought to the fore the need for this glorious church to be a revived church. So the third one that we spoke about was a glorious church revived to possess the nations. Now, I love what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, the NIV. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual favor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. The Amplified Version reads, Never be lagging behind in diligence, aglow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord, constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ, steadfast and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength. But I also like the message translation, the message Bible. Now listen to this one. He says, don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert servant of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Hallelujah. You see, once we understand who we are as God's new community, a church that belongs to God, and we have been released into the world to represent him, once we understand that our lives would have to be glorious, and by partnering with Christ, he takes us through progressive sanctification. So the more I stay at the feet of Christ, 
the more glorious my life becomes. I cannot win the world with crooked life. I ought to be straight. But I also understand that in going out there to do the work of ministry, serving the Lord comes with challenges. I cannot lose my spiritual fervency. Now, this type of Christian is dangerous because the more you afflict him, the more he moves on. Praise God. Hallelujah. But the way to do it is to keep yourself fueled and aflame. Is to be alert and to be cheerful and pray all the harder and bringing yourself in alignment with God, his will, and his purpose. When we were discussing this thing, one of the things that touched me so much was the fact that our master Jesus, when he became man, there were times and seasons of afflictions. The Bible says when he was even about to die on the cross, he felt the agony of death on him. And then he went to pray. What was his prayer? Meanwhile, before this time, this man Jesus had declared that sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, a body you have prepared for me, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, as if to suggest that he understood the very purpose for which he was wearing the human body. But when the time came for him to do that work, the Bible says he prayed. Oh, Lord, if it is possible, let this cup pass over. Why was he praying that prayer? Because he was feeling the pain as human. But thank God that he understood that he could not quit. So he added, not as I will, but your will. We are raising Christians who, in spite of the challenges, though they may feel that pain and left with them, they will say it's over. But still, they understand that there's always the need for them to bring themselves in alignment with God's will and purpose. So down my will, let his will prevail. It is good to express your feelings, but it is better to yield to God's will. Praise God. Now, this kind of church will always win. And you are that church. Praise the Lord. So now, we also introduce another theme. The church as the army of God. Do you remember? The church as the army of God. So we explain to the church that the church is the army of God. We must see ourselves as God's end time militia to possess the nations. Now, army, we do battle. As an army, we have our unavoidable task. This unavoidable task is also undefeatable mandate. So it is something that we cannot avoid, but we go about it knowing that success is guaranteed. Praise God. As an army of God, one of the things that we were um, taught was the fact that we have all the divine armory. But it is our responsibility to put them on. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, all the way to 17. Stand firm. Put on the full armor of God. 
and we explain the armory of God to the church. And I want to believe that you are putting them on. The breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, and all those things. Prayer, faith, to distinguish the flaming arrow of the devil. We have explained this to the church. So now you know how to engage in this battle and the things that you need. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So this one is not going to be by might, but by the spirit and by the power of God. Hallelujah. But we understand that our armory, the weapons of our warfare are of divine power. We demolish every stronghold. And the Bible says we demolish argument, pretensions, philosophies. After we have explained that the church is the army of God, we realized there was the need for us to take our position. Because we are not just going out. We have to strategically position ourselves. So this year, 2023, we've been, from January, we've been talking about repositioning the local church for maximum impact. Are you getting the point? So you see how we have walked the journey. From I will build my church, a glorious church to possess the nation, a glorious church revived to possess the nation. The church as the army of God, repositioning the local church for maximum impact. Now that we have been repositioned, we need to go out there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now in the field of soccer, when the teams get on the pitch, they take their positions, correct? The goalkeeper will go and be in the post. The left fullback will take his position. The right fullback will take his position. And then the mid center, they are all there. Hmm? The right flank, the attacking center, the midfielder, they are all there. Pa, pa, pa. Then they put the ball at the center. The referee will whistle. Game starts. Now, once they have taken their position, they are ready to be unleashed. Now, the goal is to win. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So, now 2024 and beyond, everybody is going to get himself involved in some sort of ministry. This one outside the sanctuary. Not to begin your own church. But now with all the resources, the strength we have, we want to do ministry outside. And so we are saying that see your secular job as a ministry God has given you. See your family as a ministry God has given you. And that is why we are saying that the church is now unleashed to transform their world. I have a world to transform. You have a world to transform. Have I explained the theme enough? Have I given you the rationale? So now you understand why we are saying a people of God unleashed to transform their world. We believe that we have the strength. We have what it takes. We have everything. I want to end a presentation by saying that 
the word unleashed. I was trying to find the definition. And this is what I got. It is to let happen or begin something powerful that once begun cannot be controlled. To let happen or begin something, something so powerful that once begun cannot be controlled. And that's what we are saying. There are no restrictions. We are releasing you. Knowing how you have been equipped and all the resources that you have. When you go out there, you are an unstoppable force. Praise God. Things must not go bad around you. As a matter of fact, you are a solution to the world's problem. And so now the Bible says that the church is the salt and light of the world. The salt and light of the world. But I've come to appreciate the fact that where there is light, darkness cannot prevail. And where there is salt, rot cannot prevail. So in your home, at your workplace, all forms of darkness must go. And you must stop the rot. It is empowering the church to be more effective in its mission of spreading the gospel and transform main society with what? Values, principles, and lifestyle of the kingdom. For we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, a people belonging to God that we would declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now you've been called from darkness into the light. So now the light is in you. When you go out there, you go with the light that is in you. Shine! Dispel every form of darkness in your society. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'm looking forward to a bumper harvest 2024. I am looking forward to a heavy transformation in our homes, at our workplace, in our schools, everywhere that we will call it our world. May the Lord be with his church. Amen. Shall we be upstanding, church? Let us rise to our feet. And I want you to seriously consider the task ahead of us. And pray. Make this resolution. Oh, with all that God has done in my life for me, I am taking over my world in the name of Jesus. Come 2024, even starting from today, I go out from here as a change agent. I know I belong to God. I know he lives in me. I know that I represent him. I know that my life is glorious. 
I know that I'm the army of God. I know that I cannot lose my spiritual fervency. I know I have received the spirit power when the Holy Spirit came upon me. Now my job is to bring this life of Christ to bear that will cause a change in the lives of people. Oh God, give me the grace to be able to do this. I have started praying to God and I believe that you are also praying.